just got back from my trip to Asia, 21 days in Asia, and a week of it was in Vietnam. And I made a point of going to the museum in Hanoi that commemorates or attempts to document from the Vietnam, the, the communist Vietnamese perspective, what happened with the war between the United States and Vietnam. I went to the former presidential palace, and I mean, it's, it's, it's propaganda everywhere. And you know what tells me it's propaganda? Because I went to the prison where Richmonder, Paul Galanti, who I consider to be a friend of mine, uh, was locked up and abused and, and tortured for seven years. And they actually presented as if, oh, we were protecting the American pilots who were captured. Well, that's not the story Paul Galani says. So, I mean, I kept my mouth shut. I'm a guest in another country. I'm the one that chose to go to Vietnam. But I was reading this stuff about genocide and how America was uh, the brutal aggressor here against the peaceful people who just wanted freedom in Vietnam. And I wanted to throw up, uh, to be honest with you. I was really disturbed by it. And I then I go out and the country's... Economically, I mean, it was like being at Disney World in some place. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Everything was beautiful in a lot of places. So I was having a hard time with uh, what I remember as a child and the history, the way we look at the Vietnam conflict in America with, with it seems like a lot of shame. And at least we're not beating up on the veterans anymore, thank God. But there still seems to be this attitude that the war in Vietnam was a big mistake, terrible loss of life. We were the bad guys. I mean, is that true? Is that true? Mark Moyer is a renowned military historian at Hillsdale College. He's got a new book that just came out now. It's this perfect timing for me to talk to him called Triumph Regained, the Vietnam War, 1965 to 1968. Mark, I appreciate you coming on. If I asked the average American, I think they would say that the Vietnam War was a big mistake and that we threw away the lives of what, almost 60,000 Americans and, and billions of dollars, and we damaged ourselves on the world scene. You take a different uh, analysis of this with, with some distance between the, the, the incident and today? Yes, I do. And it's worth remembering, first of all, the, there's a lot of confusion when you talk to people. Well, of course, most younger people now don't know anything about Vietnam, but people who are you know, older and lived through the time. Um, there's a lot of disenchantment, but you have to peel back the onion a little bit to see, well, why are people, you know, disillusioned? And the the the, the view you often hear is, oh, well, because it was a senseless war, we shouldn't have been there, and we, you know, murdered women and children. But the truth is, there are more people, especially among veterans, are sort of disenchanted with it because they didn't like how the government conducted the war and they didn't mm-hmm. like the way we pulled out. And so I take that position in this book, which is a sequel to an earlier book that covered the period leading up to the war. But this is basically yeah. the U.S. getting into the war. What is your conclusion about the political leadership? Because we have, I hope, matured as a population in the United States that we no longer abuse um, military men and women who are doing what they are assigned to do, what they're ordered to do, what they're paid to do, and we um, direct our, our our disdain at the political leaders if we got a problem with that. I think that's a, a maturity level that we've reached in the United States off the backs of a lot of innocent people. But what's your conclusion about the way what Lyndon Johnson in particular conducted this war? 
Yes, and that, and that is a good point that we, you know, don't see the same hostility to the military, although, you know, a lot of why I wrote this is that there's still this notion that we're telling Vietnam veterans that uh, they fought in a senseless war and it was all for naught. But, um, Which is hurtful. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, so I'm trying to correct that record. Right. So, you know, the, the basic reasons why we went in, I think, were sound in that there was this real threat of communism to the region. And had we left, it would have led to communism across Asia and Asia would be a very different place right now as we try to deal with China. But as far as the political leadership is concerned, uh, Johnson made quite a few mistakes. I mean, one is getting us into there in the first place and that he led the North Vietnamese to believe we weren't going to fight for Vietnam. And that encourages them to invade in force at the beginning of 1965. Uh, and, you know, he does that as part of his election ploy to try to portray himself as the candidate of peace against Goldwater. But, yeah. you know, while he was saying, I'm not going to send American boys, he was already, you know, thinking about sending them. So that's yeah, the, you can't, the, you can't give a one. signal to the world, um, to the other players in the world that you're not going to do something because they're going to position themselves based on that. And then suddenly, oh, what are they going to do? Back down immediately because you changed your mind or you weren't up front in the first place? Right. And that's something we've seen actually pretty consistently in American history. Oh, God, is, uh, yeah. You know, Korean War, the same thing happened. The Gulf War, where we talked about how we didn't care about Saddam's border disputes. So, you know, conveying, you know, presidential messaging is crucial, and yeah. Johnson, you know, flubbed that badly. When I was at the museum with all the relics, uh, you know, basically they collected all the American planes they shot down or they crashed, and they put them on display, and it mm-hmm. hurt me to be there. I felt like I needed to go, but I was listening to other people, and they were saying, oh, this was awful. And I'm thinking, if I had been president with this challenge, Believing, as it sounds like you do, that stopping communism is a noble cause and is an imperative for our own security going forward, what would I have done differently? And I kept thinking, well, I just would have bombed the hell out of these people. But then I go in the galleries and it looks like that's what we did. So was there something we didn't do that we should have done? I mean, I guess we weren't going to drop an atom bomb on them, uh, but... Yeah, well, there, this actually becomes a big issue early on in the in the book. And there's a meeting where senators from both parties go into President Johnson and say, listen, we've got to really bomb in a serious way because Mac, uh, Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara convinced Lyndon Johnson to adopt this policy of gradual escalation where we just bomb a little bit at first and then we make it go up a little bit, which is based on these sort of abstract theories that proved to be totally uh, wrong-headed. But, uh, you know, Johnson doesn't listen to them, and, and I think there's, you know, clearly he misunderstood the North Vietnamese. And, you know, another thing he does is he keeps pausing the bombing, thinking that that will entice the North Vietnamese to the negotiating table, but that only sort of whets their appetite, and they just keep kind of leading them on because the bombing's actually hurting them, which he doesn't really realize. What's your ultimate conclusion uh, by the time you get to 1968? And, and I will just tell you, over in Vietnam right now, and if you look at the pictures I've posted on Facebook, I, I haven't put up a lot of the communist flags, but I mean, everywhere. They're big 50th anniversary communist flags, the, the gold star on the red banner and the sickle and hammer on the red banner. It was for someone like me who reacts to that the way a Jewish person would react to seeing a swastika, it was a pretty, I mean, I was on vacation, but it was still like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here and that I'm seeing all this. 
What's your conclusion about the way this all conclu- ended? Well, at the when Lyndon Johnson leaves office, there is actually a surprising level of American public support for the war, and things have been going very well by this point. And so I believe, you know, had it not been for Watergate, that the U.S. probably could have seen it through. They, you know, under Nixon, they withdraw troops. Right. And, um, you know, there's a big offensive in 1972 where the North Vietnamese launched this big offensive, and the South Vietnamese uh, defeated with only American air power. And Americans, I think, were willing to do that. But because of Watergate, we end up, you know, getting out. And, yeah. um, you know, now you do hear people say, well, um, look at, you know, Vietnam today is, um, you know, relatively prosperous and, um, you know, they're not, they're no longer best buddies with the Chinese. And so well, I hear they're scared of the Chinese. That's an interesting. Yes. Now that, yeah. that's a whole, that's an interesting point too. Mm-hmm. So well, one thing too, I point out, you know, it's still a police state. I'm sure you saw. Some oh yeah. Of this. I, it, I was, n- uh, I was careful while I was there, but Hey, listen, I want people to pick up this book. It's triumph regained the Vietnam war, 1965 to 1968. The author we've been talking to Mark Moyer from Hillsdale college. I really appreciate it. And I, um, we got to dig into this this weekend because I, I'm now interested in revisiting it. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Great. Thanks for for inviting me. Absolutely.